Let's do it. crappy show on wheels that's right it's short bus cinema yo and we're back for another humdinger of a big load of bat crap or dragon crap or whatever kind of crap it is if you don't know who i am i'm it doesn't really matter it don't matter it don't matter who i am but i'm rick anyways and uh along on the bus it's my my partner in crime it's the coolest man in the bus it's China Krug. What's happening? What Rob? is up, man? We're having trouble navigating the bus today because uh, traffic is just full of these giant lizards with saddles on their back. <laughs> <laughs> no explanation. Yeah. So, too too bad we're not covering a movie called Lizard Wars, but uh, <laughs> you know, you never know how that turns out. But join us, the person that's responsible for bringing this crap heap <laughs> to the show. It's my good friend, fellow podcaster, Mr. Derek Bourgeois. Did I say that right? You did, Rick. And, uh, you know, this has been a long time coming. We we originally were going to do Frozen Scream back in the early days of Short Bus. Right. Things didn't, yeah. schedules didn't hand up the way that we wanted to with that show. But we'll eventually do that in the future, I think. Especially with the movies that I bring to the table. They're Short Bus <laughs> glorified. <laughs> Yeah, you, Derek, Derek's the kind of guy that goes, so what's wrong with this movie? <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, let me uh, let me go ahead and say it right now. You, you're you one of the rare people that's brought a movie to Short Bus that's actually been in cinemas, too. Like, and, like this is a movie that I remember coming out. Like, I remember people talking about this. So it's cool because it's not only a bad movie, but it's something that m- most people probably know about. Yeah, and, you know, we'll probably get a little bit more into, like, the making of it and the director and stuff because uh, this isn't the first crap fest this director's made. <laughs> I'll get more into that when we get more into like the background of the movie. But uh, yeah, you know, I did this one as a commentary track last year, I think, actually, on my show, Cinema Attack. And uh, my co host, W, who's also uh, from uh, the Tennessee area, uh, he's like, Mm-hmm. Midway, like during like the big city battle scenes, like what the hell are we watching? <laughs> <laughs> this is what our lives come to. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, it's one of a kind, and, and we don't want to spoil that just yet. But uh, we're glad to have Derek on board with us, and like we said, it's been a long time coming. Uh, you know, Derek and I have been friends for a few years now, and we actually did a commentary for Robo Vampire. Nice. Oh. Uh, yeah, that 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 was something. <laughs> Wait, did we cover Robo Vampire? We did that, right? We we, we did, okay. yeah. But uh, Derek and I got together uh, way before that and actually watched it together and did a commentary. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a blast. <laughs> yeah, I 
I, I was a bit, little bit more racier than I usually am. I'm kind of toned down now, but you know, I was I had a few beers that day, and I'm like, what the? You know, <laughs> f. You know, when you grow up in Boston, you know, you get like you're raised on two things: Dennis Larry, and uh, you just the f word just comes out a little bit more frequently than it usually does in some sense. And during that movie, I'm like, you know, f that and f this. You know, like, it was fucking great. <laughs> Well, you don't have to hold back, man. It's it's open waters here, so we we try to have some fun here. Yeah, so I hear you. Uh, so and and uh, you know we'll we'll give you a chance to talk about your other shows because you've got some pretty interesting stuff going on. But right now we're gonna take a little short break, and when we come back, we're gonna dump dump. We're gonna dump or jump right into Dragon Wars. Be back in a second, folks. Get out of the way! Do you desire to add yet another entry in the endless legion of film review podcasts to your playlist? Can you not stand the thought of having any moment of your dull, pointless, waking life intruded upon with the sounds from the real world, and would prefer to listen to a small cast of assholes talk about movies? Then, they must be destroyed on sight! probably meets your bare minimum requirements. Join Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest hosts as they talk about films from every genre, ranging from the obscure and schlocky to the well-known top-dollar classics. Look for... They Must Be Destroyed On Sight! On iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, and Facebook. That's... They Must Be Destroyed On Sight! Now for our feature presentation. And we're back with Dragon Wars. D-War. <laughs> from 2007. The IMDb, the IMDb score for this is a 3.5. The reason I'm laughing is because I feel like there were some really strong arguments for both titles and there was no decision made. So they were like, you know what, just both. Whatever. Whatever, Larry. We're doing it. <laughs> and so... Uh, this movie is directed and written by Hyung Rae Shim, who did did D War Two, which apparently is a sequel to this. But apparently, before this, well, no, hold on, that was before this, and then before that, there was a, uh, another D War. But then there's another movie called Dragon Wars, which is different. It's it's very confusing. I don't know. <laughs> um, he also did Dragon Tuka, which looks almost like Dragon Tuna the way I wrote it, and Reptile. <laughs> So he he does have a theme going with uh, movies like he's very into to the reptiles. Yeah, uh, the director of this uh, reptile, which is also in this is a Korean director, reptile is actually the remake of uh, this South Korean kaiju film from the late sixties called Young Gary, where you know he's like uh, he actually filmed it first with all pseudomation and stuff. But then they went back and looked at it and like, no, let's put more of that awesome CGI that's in this movie in there. And it's even earlier looking CGI, so it's even worse than the CGI in this movie. If you could imagine that aspect of it. And uh, yeah, that's kind of disheartening because there's actually stills and shots of 
the actual young Gary suit, and it looks pretty awesome in the actual clips and s- pictures that you've seen of it. But yeah, this guy's kind of like a. I think he was actually a stand-up comedian when he first, <laughs> you know, in, no, in Korea. You know what I mean? He was like a. Then he became a director, and he just loved giant monster movies and. The thing when I heard about this movie, and uh, a thing, the same thing with Reptile, aka Young Gary, is yep. he actually casts American actors in his movies, and you know, uh, this one has some interesting cast members. There's actually some Academy Award nominated actors in this movie, which is mind-boggling. You can tell once they got, they probably got paid up front, and then you know they just didn't <laughs> give yeah. a shit. Right after they got their check, you know, pretty much. Uh, well, I mean, some of their no, go ahead. Darn. Well, the movie, I mean, yeah, it has as people in it that like you, you really don't expect. I mean, okay, first of all, let me get it out of the way right now. Uh, Jason Bear, the main actor in this, he's <laughs> one of the worst actors I've ever seen in a mainstream movie ever. <laughs> I, I, and it's funny because I was looking into what else else he's done, and he was also in that really bad movie, Skinwalkers. And he's the main guy in that too, and I remember Ooh. hating the main guy in that movie too. So, <laughs> so, uh, oh. but but no, it has Amanda Brooks, and she was terrible. But once you get past them, you have like Robert Forrester, Craig Robinson, some really good people. You have you know uh, Elizabeth Pena, um, Chris Mulkey. I mean, a lot of really solid actors. Yeah, and you know, it even has my homie from Mike and Molly in it as a zookeeper. Yeah, you, yeah. you know what's funny too is I feel like. Every scene like that was completely pointless, but it, I know why they did it. They did they did it for humor and stuff, but it was just like, I mean, it had nothing to do with anything going on. Well, and it makes sense though him saying that the guy was a stand-up comedian, so he may be just trying to tie that stuff in. You oh know, yeah, to some degree. But you know, when you're just watching it as a bystander, you're like, okay, why are we doing this? Well, well <laughs> he had a lot of stand-up comedians in this. He had the guy from Mike and Molly. He had Craig Anton in this. He has Craig Robinson. Yeah. I mean, there, there were uh, Reddas in this. A lot of a lot of comedians, which is funny because they're not featured very heavily. Yeah, and they're not even, you know, even like, you have Craig Robinson in your movie, and he's not even like playing a comedic role in the movie. <laughs> dude, most of, you know, dude. He's so underused in this movie. It's crazy. Oh my god, when I saw he was in Don't this, for- and then... Um, I saw how little screen time he got. I was, I was like, I don't get offended ever by anything ever, <laughs> but I was almost offended because I'm like, he's like the one solid person, like one of the only solid people you have. Don't forget Rosie O'Donnell played the snake. Oh man! <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and, all over and don't forget, like, don't forget the voice of Cookie Monster and the body of Bill Murray played the bad guy. <laughs> I am going to That's exactly you. what I said, Bill Murray. That's <laughs> <laughs> like his. Like a young guy that just, I don't know, something happened and he just looks like Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, so you know. I just love the fact of, you know, he's got all these people in the movie and obviously it's just a paycheck. You know, but you hear the stories about actors wanting to be in an Argento film or something. And then, and then there's this where it's like, yeah, I don't even know what movie I made. I just got a check. <laughs> well, you know what this reminds me of? It's funny because the, 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 the more I watched this movie... The more I thought of uh, Bowfinger and the movie Chubby Rain, <laughs> like they're filming that movie Chubby yeah. Rain, and nobody knows exactly what's going on. They're just yep. like shooting scenes and then packing up and going to another location. That's yep. kind of what I got. Yeah, you, you know what? It feels like that. You know what really angers me about this movie every time I watch it because I actually do kind of like the mythical setup of the movie. It, it could have worked with a better 
actors, you know, better set up. You know, it, it could have been something good because, you know, I like these type of movies. I do a whole podcast on yep. these type of movies. And, you know, I like that kind of mythicism. Oh, the lore is cool, of, yeah. You know, and it's just poorly handled in that aspect. And you, and the main problem of it, too, you know, some even like some of the side characters are okay. I think they're okay. And, you know, I think actually the back round flashback stuff is actually some of the best stuff in the movie because it's all in Korean and you know so I can't really judge those people's acting per se the two main leads in this movie you follow them and I do not give a flying fuck about them at all <laughs> no uh, no I mean the only thing more of like the only thing more uncharismatic than the guy is the girl I mean and they're both it was really funny because I, yeah. I actually, my wife and I watched this together, and I actually said to her, I said, this guy's worse than Rod from Birdemic. Like, and and, and she's, she's like, he's, he's not worse. I said, no, no. Rod from Birdemic's a worse actor, but at least he was entertaining. Like, he's like, funny he's so bad. This guy's just hard to watch. Yeah. Like it's like he's trying to do like a Dick Tracy 1930s stick in the middle of this modern day movie. Like, even his outfit looks like a... De- detective, you know, from the mid-30s or something, <laughs> the way he's dressed. Yeah. Well, well, the way the movie starts is there's, like, like some sort of impact on, uh, like, in the middle of L.A., and when they pan to this guy as the reporter on the scene or whatever, I'm like, this guy, no, no way! <laughs> so, yeah, let's 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 go ahead and let's, yeah, let's walk through this, because you're right there at the beginning. So, yeah, you start off, you get this crazy bat-crap explanation of a woman who can save the universe by giving her powers to a dragon. So there's your there's your breakdown of the story. That's that's where we're heading, folks. But uh, yeah, there's a crime scene supposedly. So like you said, Johnny, I don't know, a meteor hits the ground. They never really say. And a bunch of you know special investigators there, and then you've got Davy Jones, this guy <laughs> around as the news reporter, snooping around and pulls out his video camera and starts filming you know what's going on, and then. Uh, it's just the fact that Davy Jones starts talking to us and saying, I, I think this has just something to do with me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, you know, it's great. You know, it's great when they show the flashback before they actually get into the flashback. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. And so it does do the flashback where he's a kid and he goes to a pawn shop with his dad and, uh, you know, the kid opens the box and, you know, all this crazy stuff start flying around. Yeah, so he's like this chosen one, of course, uh, right? And, so, and I was gonna say, Robert Forster's like fake heart attack here is some of the greatest oh, acting yeah. in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the, yeah, he's owning. He, he runs the store, and he's like, oh, "I'm having a heart attack. Go get some help." So he gets the dad to leave, and uh, then he tells the boy, "Hey." I finally found you, and I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> I need an adult. And and that's the end of D Wars. Thanks for joining us, folks. That's what the D stands for. <laughs> right. No. Uh. Yeah. It was. It's really weird. And, and the like, how far did the dad run to make a phone call or whatever he did? Man, he was gone forever. <laughs> Actually, I'll give the movie credit on that one aspect. He did tell him to go to a certain like shop to get oh, some like okay. herbs. <laughs> Yeah, the details. Yeah, you know it does say that, but it's just stupid the way. Come on, just go get my herbs, and I'll give you a thousand dollars for that dagger because it's like ten bucks for it originally. <laughs> <laughs> and and I love this because 
you start getting the backstory of all this Korean legend, even though nobody in this movie is Korean. Well, and, I, and it was weird too because like they kind of explain it later, but like we, at the very beginning of this, I'm like, is Robert Forster supposed to be Asian? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be works. a three thousand year old Korean man who was Gandalf, right? Yeah, we find that out later on. So, because now we get another flashback. So now we got double flashback. Oh, dude, it's a flashback inside of a flashback, man. Yeah, like one yeah, is a, like, in... the, like the first one is like back in the day, and then uh, the second one is a flashback to fifteen oh seven. My favorite aspect of him telling like the other flashback is the kid just keeps looking at him. He's like, "What are you talking about?" Exactly, the kids. Like I said, "What the hell? I'm seven years old." <laughs> That's a general line in the movie. What are you talking about? And the kid's delivery just cracks me up every time. Like, really? That's the best take. But you cut back to 1507 in, in Korea, and, you know, this dude, his his wife is having a baby, and he loses his wife at childbirth, and uh, he's got his newborn daughter, and, and she has the dragon curse, right? That's kind of what we know about it. And uh, I just love the fact that uh, the dude with the long white bill is like, oh, yeah, by the way, your your daughter, you know, she's uh, uh, she going to be sacrificed. <laughs> just, just letting you know. you know. I know you're happy she's just born and you just lost your wife, but she's she's going she's gonna to be sacrificed. Yeah, she's the Harry Potter of this movie. <laughs> he doesn't even, like, ease him into it. He walks in there, sits down, and just tells him. <laughs> the, the dude with the big white beard says, your daughter has a tattoo of a red dragon. And the dad's like, how did you know that? And he says, Cause I'm her daddy. <laughs> no, I said just kidding. Be a cool twist though, wouldn't it? <laughs> they call me the Red D. <laughs> and then we we see the girl growing up a little bit later on, hanging out with this motorcycle looking dude, and it shows him practicing his kung fu. You know, which you know that's just you have to. That's that's what you do in Korea in 1507. And uh. Dude with a white beard jumps in, and they start sparring a little bit. And he's like, yeah, maybe one day you'll be able to beat the Red D. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where he gives him the pendant, right? And this pendant's what this whole movie is supposed to be based on. But really, when it all comes said and done, it doesn't do anything but burn some ropes. But anyways, um, I take that back. It does do something else. But uh, yeah, this pendant will protect you from all danger. And then we get a war scene, which is a bunch of dudes on some dinosaurs. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like stuff from the Star Wars prequels, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a Lord of the Rings wannabe. It's uh, even the it is. even the swords are like lightsaber swords that turn into real swords, though. Yeah. All right, l- let me yeah. let me go ahead and say right now. One thought I got every time I saw those marching like lizard things with the saddles. Every single time I thought of the remastered uh, Star Wars movies when George Lucas added all the stuff. Yep, yep, the do-backs. Yeah, and it was and it was just as terrible. I mean, you don't want to you don't want your movie to remind people of that. <laughs> no, you know the very next well the next thing I say I say soldiers riding on T Rexes and Triceratops shouldn't this be called you know maybe Dinosaur Wars instead? Hey, the D is vague, dude. It's vague. <laughs> right, but I do say that the. Uh, some of the CGI is about as good as the CGI Jabba the Hutt that they put back in the prequels. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where all the budget of the movie went is the CGI. And, you know, this is actually one of the, shockingly, one of the most high-paid movies in Korea. That They actually spent a lot of money making this movie. 
at the time, you know, we're I like, see still. It. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some scenes in this that still really work. There's some good hand-to-hand stuff going on. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just a little too much uh, dinosaur-y. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... We'll get into Baraki a little bit later. In the, yeah. I actually kind of like the look at him. He's like a giant cobra. You know, yeah. in the nighttime stuff, it actually looks pretty good, but then in the daytime, it gets shittier. <laughs> you, know, you, you can really never really do CGI during the day, really, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that's always been a problem with, with doing this kind of stuff is, well, look at the, the remake of Godzilla they did, which I know is kind of a bad word to a lot of people, but they did so much in the darkness because they knew if they showed it in regular light, it'd look even crappier. It's kind of the story with all this early CGI stuff like this. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah, they're they're going through the town, killing everybody, looking for the girl with the dragon tattoo. And I said, uh, <laughs> is, "Isn't that from another movie?" <laughs> and that's when you drop in the, you know, the immigrant song cover that's in the actual girl, the dragon tattoo movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> they try to take her away, and then white beard and motorcycle dude show up and start kicking everybody's butt, which I think is a pretty awesome looking scene. Yeah. Yeah, actually, like that pretty good Asian Gandalf kicks ass. He's a, just killed yeah. like thirty five dudes, and don't don't think a thing of it. But while he's doing it, motorcycle dude grabs his girlfriend, takes off with her, and you know they just go hang out in the woods because you know that's kind of what you do. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess <laughs> nothing really to do in fifteen hundred. You know, <laughs> so does motorcycle dude take off the pendant or does he lose the pendant? He throws it down. He know. throws it down. He's like you okay. know because he pretty much. What I gathered from the flashback is because he knew that he, they were going to sacrifice her, and he fell in love with her, which he wasn't okay with at the end. He was like, "You know what? Maybe we should just run off and be together, try to run off and yeah, over it, our shoulder and stuff like that." But you know, it's just the way I got it. You know, he's like, "Fuck my uh, purpose," you know. And that's where Whitebeard comes hopscotching across the lake. Then he sees the the pendant laying on the ground and. Uh, then it shows a motorcycle dude and his girlfriend running, and that's where Baraki shows up, right? Yeah. Chasing him, and yeah, that's kind of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then just do a Thelma they, and Louise, like, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, jump off the cliff, and Snake even tries to, to attack him, but he's such a bad shot, he doesn't get either one of them. So I'm like, why are y'all worried about this snake? Apparently he's got bad depth perception. Yeah. <laughs> They show they show that scene a couple times in the movie too, and it's like every time I'm like so close. <laughs> Snake was so close. Oh, uh, but yeah. Then it jumps back to just 15 years earlier, where he raised the little boy, and that's when he hands the boy the the pendant and says, "Now it's your turn. You're gonna help build a dragon and find a girl and and risk your life. Uh, Have fun." Yeah. <laughs> and I and I love how he like. You know what you are, and he's like. He, then he shows him the same scar that the Asian dude got in the flashback. He's like, "I'm that guy, and you're my apprentice. You're we are reincarnated." I'm like, "Yeah." And you're just thinking to yourself, "So Robert Forster is a Asian Gandalf, and this guy is motorcycle boy." <laughs> well, and, and did like whenever he. I, did he just know that that boy was the one? Like, how did he know? I think it had to do with the opening of the scale, and the scale actually went to it. It actually reacted to him. I think that has something to do with it. But it felt, I felt like yeah. he knew it before, the like, when he first entered the shop. Maybe. It, it gets weird I don't know. with his character. Because <laughs> then he just ends up becoming, like, 
a phasing David Carradine type. <laughs> I think we're I, I think just, we're overthinking <laughs> the movie. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's it, the thing that got me was just the fact of this kid or grown man, Davy Jones, already has lived this life experience, seen some weird crap flying out of a box, has wearing a pendant. That some dude says, "Hey, you're reincarnated, and you're looking for a girl for th- with a dragon tattoo." He sees the scale and goes, "I think this might have something to do with me." Well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, how does he find out the girl's name? Because I know he has his friend go through this database of every woman named Sarah in L.A. But how does he how does he find out the name Sarah? Oh. uh... Actually, it goes back to the flashback. Asian, uh, Robert Forster, aka Asian Gandalf Forster, actually told him that the girl's name would be Sarah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I mean, that, that must have been one of the things. I just, I guess, I didn't didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah, like when he says, "I think her name is Sarah," and I'm like, "Yeah, you you know that's her name because that's what you were told when you were a kid, you doofus." Yeah, but during when he was a kid, he's like, "What are you talking about?" The whole time he's telling the story. <laughs> It's just well, so disconjointed here, well, man. Well, Craig Robinson's character is, is like, he, he and Retta, when she gets in the movie later, they're the only two characters that are like, they're 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 saying everything that you want to say as like audience members. Like he's like, I need you to look through the, the database in L.A. and find me a girl named Sarah. It's gonna be this age, you know, from this age rate. She's gonna be what twenty one. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. and, and uh, he's like, you realize <laughs> you realize how ridiculous that sounds, right? Well. I've got this thing. I said, I love how they talk how intelligent this guy is when he's a kid, inquisitive. They say all this stuff. I said, but but come on. I mean, this stuff is so laid out in front of you, Matt Damon could figure this stuff out. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to go in the database and search for a girl named Sarah in L.A. It, it, it's almost like, what if her name was Connor, right? <laughs> that would be awesome, man. <laughs> Man, why do you remind me of a better movie? Mm. <laughs> right. Uh, he's like, uh, yeah, but I, I think she's got a tattoo. I was like, well, that's going to narrow it down. In L.A., a tattoo? <laughs> you don't say. 20-year-old girls with tattoos? That's like the whole state, yeah. you know? But then it cuts to Sarah and her best friend in a workout gym or whatever, and they're watching TV, and they see Davy Jones in there, and they're talking about how he's cute. And he... Uh, it shows the film that he videotaped when he was out there. And then all of a sudden, Sarah just grabs her crap and takes off running home. And goes home and opens a Korean book that's full of like folklore and legend stuff. And I don't know, man. It's just it's so weird just how nonchalant all this is. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think I've seen that in a book that I got at home. It's 14,000 years old. <laughs> it's, it's so... God, it's crazy. Uh, can, we, can we just... You know, we just got to Sarah. Can we just say, uh, God damn, this actress is terrible, yo. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like, like the other, the friend's, like, talking to her for, like, 15 minutes. She just doesn't even say a word for, like, the whole 15 minutes. You're like, could you even emote? <laughs> Dude, she, her, her and Ethan are just wood planks that can talk, man. They're just, they, they were horrible. And... Ah, God, just as the leads in this movie, man. <laughs> They're both just so bad. <laughs> like, it, yeah. you know, it's like two logs trying to fuck each other. <laughs> 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 well, speaking of that, now <laughs> next up we've got Bill Murray showing up at the antique shop and uh, walking through walls. So this is where you kind of find out the whole reincarnation thing that's going on and who these people are, yada, yada. 
But, you know, while that's going on, we go back to Sarah's house, and she's turned into frickin' Sam Neill from the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> she's, got, she's got, like, Asian scrolls and scripture all over the walls, and... Oh, God. Uh, and her best friend, her best friend walks in there and is like, hey, what's wrong? I mean, and she's like, yeah, I'm really scared because it's it's time for the big D war. And she's like, yeah, me too, so let's go to the bar and pick up a couple of guys. Uh, <laughs> and you get to... Like later on, you could just tell like the bars is a set, and this place that they go to is like just—it's not it doesn't match the area here at all. <laughs> oh no, yeah. And and later later in that that scene later that night it becomes VD War. <laughs> so yeah, it, she you know Sarah's sitting there drinking her beer, and I I guess you know isn't feeling it, so she goes outside. Some dudes try to. I don't know if they're going to, you know, molest her or steal her money, but it acts like she's going to defend herself. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, dude pops up and beats them all up, and then he's gone. Yeah, Robert Forster is the equalizer in this scene. He, yeah. he just beats yeah, he the is. crap out of all these dudes. <laughs> Well, and I do yeah. like I do like how Robert Forster has these powers and stuff that they just they show without really explaining or anything. I mean, I know he's reincarnated and he's that dude from the the fifteen hundreds, but like you know, scenes of him just floating and then him popping up outside this bar and like throwing guys fifty yards. You know, even though like he's given like a half-assed performance, he's actually the best part of the movie for me. Oh yeah, he is. He's great. Yeah. yeah. After this, it goes to the the zookeeper scene. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I did crack up when, you know, the elephant just flies out of the air and just his reaction to it, like, ah! <laughs> so, yeah, he hears the noise. He goes out to check on the animals, and uh, the, the big snake, Baraki, is uh, eating an elephant, and, or two or three elephants, and just slinging them around like they're nothing. So, yeah, you get a little comic relief like we needed it. <laughs> this I've seen this a lot in a lot of Asian movies that do this, and they have like this type of humor in them, where they introduce characters, and you know they're not even major parts of the story, and they have arcs and stuff. It's weird, and you know, there's, there's right. no point to it. You know. Uh, well, the thing is, it, here's here's the thing about this movie. If I would have seen this when I was ten years old, this would have been like the coolest movie ever, right? Because mm-hmm. the story doesn't matter when you're a kid, but when you get older, you're like. Man, this is just a big pile of crap. But it's amazing that you could almost aim this at kids and they would really dig it. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you got just random things that don't make any sense. Big snake killing elephants. What kid's not going to enjoy that? Oh, dude. It, <laughs> dude, if I'd seen this movie when I was 10, I probably would have really liked it. I mean, that's the only explanation for people liking the newer Star Wars movies, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh! Did I say that? I would like to say that you, you're wrong, but no, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> and I cannot wait for the hate mail to flow in now. Uh, yeah. it, it happens. You know, every time... The more I think about those new Star Wars movies, the more I just don't want to watch them again. Besides Rogue One, that's probably the best... Oh, yeah, Rogue I, One I, is I, the one that like, agree. still has rewatchability. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That last one, though, man, it's it's got as many things in it like this one does. It's like, wait a minute, that don't make any sense. Anyways, well, that's for another show. For sure. Right now, right now, we got to go back to the police station where Sarah's at because supposedly they think that uh, you know she's one beat these guys up, and this random reporter just comes up and says, "Hey, you must be Sarah." And I'm like, what? Huh. <laughs> Hold on, I, I have a question too. Also, like, okay, so she's at this police station, and this reporter sees her, but before he gets there. 
which is random a reporter walking in and just talking to some <laughs> but in a police station yeah but but <laughs> why rubber forcer showed up and beat the hell out of these guys and she got away why did she go in there to give a description of robert forrester because she did she went in there yeah. and she was telling him about the guy that beat the guys up. <laughs> yeah it, I'm like what the yeah. hell man like i don't understand why yeah. she's there like like they act her like she's a suspect these guys just tried to rape her you know like what the yeah. hell is going on <laughs> I, I think, one, there's probably three or four bodies laying on the ground. Somebody called the cops. Or, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. They have to have a reason for this reporter to see her so he can go back and tell his friends, hey, I just met a girl named Sarah. So that's <laughs> like, that's kind of their, their patsy. Yeah, yeah, even like later on, they like treat her like she's a prisoner. Like They lock her in a hospital room. Like, what the hell is going yeah! on? Yeah! <laughs> Crazy! Yeah. Oh, we got to we got to talk about this though, because uh, uh, Davy Jones goes back to the antique shop, and uh, and a reincarnated long beard dude's not there, but Bill Murray's there instead. We get some floating spears because there's you know spears in an antique shop, or <laughs> a, a, I mean in L.A. There's a an abundance of spears. Yeah. But anyways, it ends up being a dream sequence. <laughs> oh yeah, the one of many. It's great. <laughs> Well, I feel like I feel like throughout the movie though, there's like so much inconsistency with like the, the technology of the soldiers and stuff. There's like, okay, so they're giant lizards with saddles on their back in the middle of like Metro, like Los Angeles, and like half the people have like their their armor and stuff looks like pretty futuristic in some parts, but then yeah. it's like they're using spears and crap. I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> They're trying to tie in the the old folklore with modern times, and this is what you get. You get a <laughs> a Korean Roger Corman movie. <laughs> Expect Dick Miller uh, to just pop up any second. <laughs> I heard you needed a spear. <laughs> uh, so uh, now we're in the car parking lot, and Sarah's trying to get in the car, and then it gets scales all over it for some reason, and. Bill Murray's standing there dressed like a cop trying to kill her. And I'm going, here we go again. Here's a girl named Sarah with a guy dressed as a cop trying to kill her. Sounds very familiar from another movie. <laughs> but instead of Sarah Connor, it's like, Sarah Connor. Me want cookie, Sarah. <laughs> but then again, uh, ends up being another dream sequence. And Sarah's at home in bed with heartburn, so uh, she calls the ambulance to come get her and take her to the hospital, I guess. Yeah, that acid reflex, man. Oh! Sarah's best friend and her boyfriend try to go see her in the hospital. And uh, that didn't work out very well. They won't let anybody in to go see her. But they decide to go to her house and get her some more supplies. And how about how about the boyfriend here trying to make some moves on her at, at Sarah's house? <laughs> I mean... You know, we're swinging by to get some stuff for our friend, but hey, yeah, you know, man, that was nobody, like, no, on, nobody's just, here. <laughs> let's get it all. Let's do it. Let's do it in Sarah's bed. I can pretend you're Sarah. <laughs> you know? I, I, for one, I'm super happy that uh, that the uh, the dragon showed up at that house. Oh yeah, yeah. Me too. But yeah, that that ends up, but it ends up killing you know Sarah's best friend. But you know what? It's it so don't funny matter the way she dies too. She he doesn't even eat her. He just yeah. picks her up and just. Tosses her in the pool. Dress her in the pool. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that too. I was like, "Well, did he did he bite her? Or did, I mean, did he crush her? We don't know." <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, you know what's funny though is like in a, it, the movie that came out the same year as this that um, it, these suburban scenes reminded me of was Transformers, like the scene where like the the robot the Transformers hiding behind uh, whatever his name's the the kid in the movie's house. It reminded me when the dragon comes over this house and picks that Asian chick up and like. Drops her in the pool. I was thinking, man, this is like really Transformer-ish. Yeah, and you, yeah. you want to hear something that this actually has connection to that Transformers movie. Oh, wow. Uh, Wait, they both suck? <laughs> uh, the, the, compu- the composer of Transformers, Steve Jablowski, uh, was actually Jablonski? the composer. Yeah, he's the composer of Dragon Wars. He does this music for Dragon Wars. Oh, wow, that dude, man. Yeah. He, he went on to do like uh, the Elm Street remake and some other stuff. Yeah, and the Friday the 13th, TC, I think he did the TCM soundtrack to the remake, too. Yeah, He, he was big in the Platinum Dunes. I was going to say, yeah, Platinum Dunes, he must have a contract with them. Yeah. Glad somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> platinum. Oh, so... Poo, <laughs> platinum. <laughs> so this is where Sarah, Sarah wakes up in the hospital, and there's an armed guard at the door, and the door's locked, and I'm like... Why? <laughs> yeah, like why? Like, like is she... Does anybody have an explanation of why? <laughs> nope, none. <laughs> but this is where Davy Jones finds out that she's in the hospital, so they start heading that way. But then it just cuts back to Sarah, and she's <laughs> she's got a scalpel, and she's trying to stab a few doctors. You know, she's <laughs> she's going bonkers here. That that threw a curveball at me. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, so. There, it's a mental hospital too, right? It's not like a regular hospital, or is it? That's the thing. It... It's it's hard to say because parts of it do parts of the hospital seem like a regular like emergency room wing or something, but then they're also housing uh, the other dude who's like in there for like psychiatric stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, Mike and Molly do. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's the whole thing. If you'll say there is no big snake, we'll let you out of that jacket. I was wrong. There's a big snake. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this, but the snake's in the window. Look at the window now. Uh, Davy Jones finally gets to Sarah, and they start explaining to each other who they are and what they mean to each other, while a big T-Rex is out front beating up the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> was it a T-Rex or was it uh, Beauregard or whatever the snake's name is? Eric Beauregard. <laughs> We're just going to call the snake the rest of the show. But I thought it was a big T-Rex, and I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> That's different. <laughs> oh, I got, you know, this is when we get to first see, like, uh, Robert Forster's uh, chain. Uh, uh, yeah! You know, because the, when you first, uh, whatever, Dick Tracy there, he's going to the hospital, yeah. and he talks to the doctor, oh, you're that guy from the news, I'm a big fan. All right, let's really? go see Sarah, man. You know, the doctor that you follow <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> you know, and, you, like when I when I first seen the scene before, I knew it was really Robert Forster. I'm like, wait a minute, this something's not right. A doctor is never this friendly, and for one thing, and you know, they wouldn't let you. Come on, I'll take you there. Let's go. And then later on, we gotta get Sarah out of here, man. Let's go, man. Oh, but yeah, then they get away and they're being, you know, they get in the car and they take off and the snake's chasing them, which is a you know, pretty decent chase scene. Here, yeah, yeah, this is where I thought the CGI didn't look as bad as when it was in that small tunnel. Yeah. And, you know, you can see, like, the Baraki's face. It kind of looked like a little model work was kind of used for the face in that yeah. scene. And it actually, that scene actually looked pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah. 
But then they they break away and and they outrun the snake. But then they run over Bill Murray, and he he turns into Spawn. <laughs> yeah, man, he like straight up armors up. <laughs> I love Craig Robinson. He's like, what foo? I got a gat, yo. <laughs> I love it, man. And then the sword just kind of goes away. And then the random station wagon comes up and runs over Bill Murray again. I said it was hilarious because it's almost as good as. Uh, when they run over the guy in Jeepers Creepers and his wing pops out. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, the Griswolds rolled up on him. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> and this is where the station wagon hits him. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The station wagon lady, uh, which at first I thought, is this, da- is this Davy Jones's mom? Because she's awful friendly and knows everything about him, but it ends up being dude again. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just lets him out at a different location. Instead of, like, taking him to safety, uh, I'm just going to let you out right here. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we, we, we're not going over, like, all the FBI agent stuff because they just end up becoming, like, the most pointless characters ever in the movie. I mean, they're, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're villains outside of the regular yeah. villains. Yeah, I, I kind of mentioned them, too, but every scene that they're doing, it's just like they're 20 minutes behind in the film. It's like they really have no idea what's going on. I'm like, just go look out the window, guys. You can see everything that's going on. This is like when we first see like Elizabeth Pena. She's like a you know testing on the scale and stuff. And I'm like, come on, you know that scale came from your tail from Jacob's ladder, yo. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel so bad because you know Elizabeth Pena has been in some of my favorite movies growing up, like Lone Star and this. Sure, it's like. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, yeah. the the same with Robert Forrester. I mean, like, I'm a huge fan of things like Vigilante and stuff, man. So, like, it's crazy because I don't know. He's a really, really diverse actor, and then you see him in this, and is like, like Rick was saying, man, it's just like, oh, paycheck's been cashed. <laughs> For real. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Uh, hey, l- hey. Then later on, like, I just want to mention one thing. The aspect that cracked me up about <laughs> it goes back to like. You know, this is kind of stupid storytelling. Uh, the the head of the FBI, who's actually played by uh, Freddy versus Jason, Monica Keena's dad from Freddy versus Jason, comes in the movie, <laughs> and uh, he's like, "All right, man, uh, what do we got here?" I think he's also the the main cop in Dexter. That dude too. He's the main, and he's like, <laughs> "So you're telling me that this is some mythical legend and shit that's coming back to haunt us?" And he's like, "This is bullshit." <laughs> hey, so you know what you do after you've been chased by a huge gigantic snake and some crazy guy turns into spawn? Y- you go to the beach. You know, dur- <laughs> during our commentary for this movie, I think d- it was Dubby, uh, my co-host, that was saying, you know what would made this scene even better if you just see Robert Forster in the ocean riding a beluga wheel in the background? <laughs> I mean, it's just so red. It's like... Yeah, we, we just needed a break from all the craziness. I mean, we've almost been killed by a giant snake, and some dude turned into Spawn and tried to stab me out on the highway. Let's just go to the beach and, uh, you know, proclaim our love for each other. Wow, what a throwaway scene, man. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. And, you know, it leads to this other retarded scene where we get pretty much, I know a psychiatrist, Fred, you know. Exactly. Yeah, I've got a psychiatrist that Mike can help, and I'm like, why and how? Like, why? Yeah, how? Like, <laughs> and you know, it's, uh, it's so, the doing that thing your dude's dad, you know, the main guy's dad. In that movie. <laughs> oh. 
Well, so we cut to the SWAT team that's going in the cave, and that's where, you know, the snake comes out and just pretty much wipes out the SWAT, SWAT team, and it's Bill Murray's in there, and he's building a new army. And uh, then it cuts back to psychiatrist Randy Travis, and uh, he's, he's getting Sarah wired up, and Sarah goes to sleep and wakes up and pulls a hat out of her dream. <laughs> no, it'd be cool if it did, though. <laughs> but yeah, everything's going good until Randy, Dra- Randy Travis says, We're going deep. <laughs> and I said, Yep, this is D Wards. <laughs> D Wards. Uh, then you get an exorcist scene where Sarah just floats in the air and makes Jawa sounds and come crashing back down to the ground. Uh, and then- Don't know why. <laughs> don't have any idea. Well, it's great. And uh, then, you know, Baraki comes, yeah. and pretty much they went yep. here to get this guy killed because he never comes out of the house. He just dies. The psychiatrist. <laughs> this snake is like Sheriff Buford T. Justice because he, he just pops up and says, I'm going to get you, you scumbum, and they get away every time. <laughs> it's just like, how many times are we going to do this, man? It's like, how many times is dude going to jump in the water and fight Meg, right? <laughs> it's like, every three minutes of the film, I'm jumping back in the water to save somebody else. Well, here we got a snake chasing a car every 15 seconds, feels like. But yeah, the the, the snake starts chasing them, and they get so far ahead, they stop and have lunch. <laughs> and, 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 and this is where I wanted to point out one of the other major issues of the movie. You know, at this point, you're like, oh, this movie's almost over, huh? And you're like, nope, because... The thing about this movie is, <laughs> it's edited like bam, 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 bam. The editing yeah, in this movie yeah. is like bam, 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 bam. It goes from scene to scene to scene to scene to scene to scene, <laughs> and you feel like, oh, this movie is a fast ride, you know. But then you like, you still got like forty-five to an hour <laughs> left. You're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And again, that fast editing, I mean, that's for your your younger age group that has a very short attention span, so they're just keeping it moving, cutting out stuff that probably could explain a few things a little better, but I think even the director's going, you know what, it doesn't matter because this movie doesn't make a lick of sense anyway, so let's just roll with it. For sure. But yeah, they they stopped to have lunch with Davy Jones' friend from work, and uh, the guess what? Snake catches up with them again and starts chasing them, <laughs> and uh, uh, then... The snake throws a, a Yugo at him, <laughs> and they get out of the car, and the snake has a chance to eat him. I mean, he's right here face-to-face with him, and then the cops start shooting at the snake, and it's just another distract- distraction. So it's just like, come on. <laughs> just eat these people already. Oh, dude, yeah. like that's. I think that's why I got discouraged in my note writing was because I literally just kept writing like, oh, the snake's chasing them again. <laughs> another, another chase. We got a chase going. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you're back at the cave. You got Bill Murray who's talking to his army now, which looks about like three thousand people. And I'm like, yeah. where do these people come from? Yeah, <laughs> ten million dollars, yo. That's what they went to to get all those extras. I mean, is there a portal in time that these people are coming out? Of? I mean, it's just like, what? Where? You know what? Where, I, where are we getting? You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me a lot of, and it's funny because. It's kind of ambitious for a movie like Dragon Wars because this I think this predates the Avengers by what like five years or something. <clears throat> but that's what it reminded yeah. me of. It reminded me of like the portal in the first Avengers movie where yep. you know Loki has all the soldiers coming through and like the, mm-hmm. the the lizard the snake things coming through. And it's funny because yep. a lot of this like 
I don't know. We're not into the third act, really, but a lot of this portion of the movie reminded me of that. Um, but this absolutely. But this was a good five years before that, so um, maybe this movie. And I think I'm not not saying it even jokingly. Maybe this movie inspired a little bit of that. I actually have it in my notes here that says that this movie is the equivalent of if Marvel was ran by Roger Corman. <laughs> this is what you would get because it's 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 almost there, right? Oh yeah, we're almost in Mar in Marvel territory with what's going on. Marvel may even rip this thing off. Who knows? But it's it does feel a lot like it. Well, dude, with those dragons going through the streets and the soldiers like on oh, the yeah. sides of the buildings and stuff, straight up. Yeah, bro. that's very straight much up. the third act in the Avengers. Yeah, the first. Yeah, yeah especially the first yeah. Avengers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, the, he he sends these two attack dragons out because that's just what you do but they're they're kind of small they're like compact dragons right <laughs> got your cds they're flying around and yeah and <laughs> cd dragons yeah <laughs> and they're you know just running into buildings and stuff because you know they're not used to flying in territories that have skyscrapers <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh out of nowhere davy jones and sarah decide to jump in a helicopter because you know why not we, we we've done it we've done everything else Let's let's go for a helicopter, right? Kitchen sink. Uh, then the, they're taking off in the helicopter, and the snake grabs it, and they jump out just in time, and dude, the snake destroys the helicopter. They, they jump out, but man, they were pretty high above that building, man. Yeah. When they say, "Hey, we got to jump for it," like you're gonna die. Like <laughs> you know, when they still miss, a huge drop. miss the landing, you know, and they jump even, they fall even not higher, farther down, you know. <laughs> yeah, and here we are again. The snake has a chance to kill them. And then right when he's getting ready to kill him, then Blue Thunder shows up and starts <laughs> blasting the, the snake. And I'm just like, man, this is exactly... When, when people go on about how good the Aquaman movie was, that movie is full of this crap right here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every time, the, it's like, oh, they're going to get together and they're going to have a, an emotional moment. Bang! Something happens. It's just like, <laughs> come on, man. How stupid is this? Very. And, and here we're talking about it on short bus, so... I'm just going to say it. Aquaman belongs on short bus. Yes. There, I said it. So, anyways. Uh, I got that out of my system. Hold on, Derek. We're, we're getting there, man. It, it, it happens. <laughs> you know, it's like giving birth, you know. But, come on. The the uh, the upside of this is now we got a bunch of dragons and a bunch of helicopters fighting in the sky. That's what we've been waiting on, For right? real. And I have a note here. It says, nobody really ever explains why Bill Murray wants to kill everybody. Uh, I guess he's like the I head mean, worshiper of Baraki. He, he actually, he's like the head of Baraki's temple, I guess. From what I get from the flashback, yeah. he's like the reincarnation of the main. Yeah, but can he communicate to Baraki? And Baraki says, "You know what? I really hate those two people." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. Again, there's just no explanation of why he wants to wipe them out. I mean, I know you have to have a bad guy, but. <laughs> We just don't really have a backstory for Bill Murray here, <laughs> and and, and uh, the goal is still kind of the same too. Like there, I mean, like he's tried to kill the the dragons, you know, in the lore. Like the dragon has to eat her. Don't make any sense. But then our special agents, because they're so important to the film, finally come into fruition of why we need them. They pick up Davy Jones and Sarah, and they take them to a warehouse. It looks like they're shooting an in sync video. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, then all of a sudden, one of the special agents guys going to shoot Sarah because now he's starting to believe his own hype about this legend. Well, if I kill her, then these dragons won't attack us for another 500 years or so. 
my job's done. Uh, but anyways, David Jones jumps in front of Sarah, gets shot, then dude gets ready to shoot Sarah, and then the other special agent shoots the bad special agent. So there you go. There's the extent of these guys being in this movie for the past hour and a half. And led to absolutely th- nothing. Yeah, at no Don't at no matter. point when their when their story arc is over, do you feel like they were necessary or or, or you feel anything <laughs> progressed in the movie? Yeah, they're pretty much there to make the movie an hour and a half, you know. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of padding, but I also think that there's a point where you you don't know a way out, so you have to have, oh, that's where special agents come in and and rescue them. Well, wait a minute, you didn't have them in in the story earlier. Ah, shit. So you have to go back and write them in. Yeah. So I really think it's kind of what happened. It's just weird (laughs) because, you know, they set them up to be more important than they are, especially because they're in the first scene of the movie with the main hero dude. Uh, so Davey and, and Sarah now have jumped in the special agent's car and they take off and now we got dragons that are just shooting fireballs at them in this car because b- because I don't know I mean there's there's thousands of cars why are they only aiming at this one I guess they know Sarah's in there but then Sarah says oh it's my 20th birthday <laughs> dun 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 <laughs> uh then the car flips and catches fire, and dragons are surrounding the car. Then Davy Jones tries to get out, but he passes out. And then we just jump to Davy Jones being tied up in the middle of a Conan movie. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it like it, it like it's Raiders they, of the Lost Ark and like Conan exactly. the Barbarian mixed. Did they together. go through some portal yeah. or something? What the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, they're like another that's, dimension. That's, <laughs> it's like what? It looks like, yeah, it looks like some kind yeah. of, like, wasteland. It's like Thanos' home world. <laughs> yeah. And then Spawn has Sarah tied down on a sacrificial table, and the big snake uh, is getting on top of Sarah and getting ready to kill her. And then, like I said, Davy Jones makes his pendant kind of light up, and I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, it's like a Raiders of the Lost Ark scene, man. <laughs> Electrocution flying through people, and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but we get the showdown we've been waiting for. Not really. It's just another showdown. It's Davy Jones fighting Bill Murray in a sword fight. And, you know, Bill Murray hits the pendant with the sword, and he turns into dust. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> he went down a lot easier than I thought he would after that, you know, hour and a half chase. Oh. <laughs> You know how you top this off? A snake fight. Yeah, the good emoji finally comes <laughs> after like fucking an hour and a half in the movie. I like when I said it, everybody just got quiet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's really it's it's pretty anticlimactic, man. I mean, there's there's just something about watching two CGI snakes duke it out for ten minutes. That's just not very exciting. Yeah, uh... yeah, and then. Uh... You know, one of them loses, which I'm kind of confused on who is who because it's just two CGI snakes that kind of look alike. But then Sarah's glowing tattoo shoots out a couple of bottle rockets and <laughs> creates a power ball. <laughs> it's the soul ball. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> and then the, the, the power ball goes into one of the snake's mouths and it turns him into a dragon. It turns him into Mushu yeah. from Mulan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this kind of ends like you think it would, right? I mean, the dragon kills the snake, then he spits out the power ball, and then 
Sarah <laughs> disappears and turns into a ghost. She turns into the ghost. And then she morphs it. Yeah. Just floating across the, the the space. And then she morphs into a power ball, and the dragon picks up the power ball and flies out of sight. And then Robin Forster fades one last time. Your legend's complete, and this guy's just stuck in this other dimension to die. <laughs> that's exactly what I, was, I, was, I said. Here's a good question. How the hell does Davy Jones get back home? <laughs> I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> that, my friends, is Dragon Wars, which is betterly named D Wars. D for Dookie. <laughs> oh, you know what? Like I said, if I was a kid, I would think this is awesome. But wow, I, it's it's uh, it was written for kids. It's man. really. Like I don't, it has I don't to think, be. I don't think it really was, but I think that you know, like in retrospect, it, it was. It's got as much detail to it as like a episode of Power Rangers. I mean, the, the storytelling is right up on par with that, dude. Like when they're all the army and stuff are standing outside of the cave and stuff, it's very much like, uh, you know, like Lord Zed and the Putties or something. Oh yeah, from Power Rangers. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah, yeah. It, it's something. It's experience. Uh, <laughs> It's something. <laughs> so, did you guys get any good lessons from this bad movie? Oh. Uh. I, I can go first. If you, want. <laughs> you know, always listen to the story that's told in the flashback and not say, what are you talking about, over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, uh, never just hang out in... in uh, in uh, antique shops, because some dude might try to give you the D. <laughs> uh, my only good lesson is is uh, Jim Henson Creature Shop actors are still g- doing ADR work in <laughs> feature films. Because <laughs> every every time that dude spoke, man, it was like Cookie Monster mixed with like I don't know, man, some some other kind of Muppet like Sam the Eagle or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, well, okay, any uh, what were they thinking? Any of those moments for you? Uh, the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. I mean, obviously, with with these kind of movies, it's just the the storytelling is they're trying to to they've got the ending of what they want to happen, and they try to write it backstory up to that, and it just fails miserably. You know, I just you know. Come on, man! You don't you don't have to have this much story. I never once paid attention to any Godzilla movie or anything about what the story was that was going on really behind everything with the people. Nobody cares. <laughs> Just give me some big animals and some fighting. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. For sure. What about you? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's just yeah, it's just the buildup of the actual climax of the movie, and you're like. You know, there's some good moment. I think there's some actually good moments in the movie that get you through some of the bad, a lot of the bad moments. But then in the end, the climax happens, and you're like, why the hell did I just watch this? You know, yeah. it's just the editing of it, too. It's like, what are they thinking with all those flash... Even, like, in the slow scenes of, like, there's people talking, there's like, bam, 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 bam. I'm like... yeah. To stay in one person for a minute, Jesus Christ, you know. It's just, yeah. the whole movie is just a, oh, God. Turd fest. Well, for me, 
for me, the what were you thinking is something that I was going to mention. It happens at the very end of the movie, and none of us mentioned it, but when I saw it happen, I thought it, and then my wife verbalized it, so I knew I wasn't crazy. Was was that dragon wearing heels? <laughs> There's a scene, I swear that dragon at the end is wearing heels. Well, it's a, it's a lady dragon, right? I mean, because I thought it, and then my wife asked, she was, is that dragon wearing heels? I'm like, I saw it too! <laughs> I'm going to go back now and watch that. You're talking about when it's fully yeah. transformed, right? Yeah. Oh, that God. dragon has we some find straight out up, like, the, boots, like heel boots on or something, man. We we find out in the sequel with the, the dragon wears Parada. <laughs> I cannot believe somebody actually paid to make a sequel to this. <laughs> That's Dude, it's this is a series, man. Like, there's like... It looks like there's at least three or four of them. <laughs> and I know one of them stars John Wick. Keanu Reeves is actually one of the sequels. Whoa. Uh, wow. Well, I did. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That's crazy, man. <laughs> so how would you guys upgrade so, this movie? Oh. Uh, well, I could go first. Uh, definitely my major upgrade, the two main leads. Get somebody else that actually cares. Yeah. Yes. Maybe the, you, even, like, even though if the story doesn't make sense... If the two main leads were at least more interesting and had more dynamic on screen, it would have been a little bit better to get through this movie for me personally. But they were so bad. But it, it's kind of like it's kind of like any of these movies, though. You really don't care about any of the people in any of these movies. Old Kaiju, new Kaiju. You really just don't care. You're just like, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not interested. I just want to see a large body count. And some crap blow yeah. up. I mean, yeah, that's, the, that's really the, the thing with that though. So Rick, the thing with that though, Rick, you know, the thing that I always go back to is like uh, Monster Zero: Invasion of the Astromancers, uh, the Godzilla film. Actually, only has five yeah. minutes of kaiju action. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's kind of the rare, rare one. Well, and I, I uh, do feel well, I do feel like a lot of the, the Americanized ones focus more on the humans, which is kind of the the you know that what takes away from them. I think. Uh, yeah, uh, for for me, they they all do that though. I mean, oh, yeah. to me, the the only person I've cared about in a Godzilla movie is the little kid that's <laughs> out there in the water in, uh, in the on the raft uh, with Megal Megalon. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love Megalon. Guilty for me, uh, oh. the upgrade I would make. I mean, you guys you guys both had really good upgrades that I agree with. Um, for me, I would put more Craig Robinson and Retta in the movie because this movie needed more yeah. comic relief that, uh, or at least characters you could get behind because. Every time Craig Robinson was on on screen, I was like, "Oh, cool, man! Like, like you got a root for him." And whenever this bird Demic guy Ethan's up there, I'm just like, "Oh God, I hope a dragon eats him." <laughs> It'd been awesome if that's who the dragon was chasing instead, right? Because yeah. at least he'd be more interesting. Yeah. Oh hell no! Big snake coming at me. <laughs> that would be so, dude. <laughs> this movie could could have been improved so much if he was the main actor in this. Just like the whole movie is just like sassy quips. Uh, yeah, I'll smack a snake in his teeth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, even so much better. <laughs> All right, hot tub dragon wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're at that we're at that point, man. We're uh, we're about to we're about to seat this movie on the bus. What are you guys thinking? Uh, I'll go first. Back back yeah. seat. It's definitely a wow. back seat for me. <laughs> I'm shocked, man, because because you you suggested the movie. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it's just you know I do kind of, I do like aspects of it. It's just you know every time I will watch this again, it's just it's one of those movies where 
the whole story is just no journey there. You know, even in like some of the other so bad it's good movies that I like, at least some of the stuff in it you have fun with it. When yeah, you have yeah. these makes it entertaining. Yeah. Emoting yeah. characters where you're just watching them on a fucking beach through half the movie. <laughs> Us talking to each other like two logs in a lo- on sand. <laughs> it's pretty much what it is, and it's not entertaining to me. That's like, even the things that are entertaining to this movie are Robert Forster and Cookie Monster Bill Murray, and that's about it. That's a great point because that's really how we end up seeding these things. Because you take something like Death Mask, which is obviously terrible. But it's got the quirks and stuff in it that make it a little bit fun. Whereas something like this has a budget, has some stars, but it just feels like there's, you know, there's no real ambition behind it. Oh, yeah, no passion. It's like, yeah, it's like the idea is there, you just don't execute it, right? It kind of feels like that. For me, it's middle of the bus. Really? Uh, Wow. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't put it all the way in the back. I wouldn't put it all the way in the front. It's just kind of middle. I really don't want to watch it again. Well, see, that's <laughs> shocking, man. Because like I don't know. Like I feel like <coughs> I feel like middle of the bus is for something you might possibly want to rewatch again. I, I agree with Derek. I, I go straight back seat. Um, I, I didn't really think this movie had a whole lot of stuff that would make it. The thing that'll make me go back and rewatch this is Rift Tracks did it, and I have that. And I've never I've had it on my hard drive forever um, with my other Rift Tracks, but I've never watched it. And so I'll bet that I'll bet that's hilarious. I, oh, I I, I want to hear that too. Our commentary is pretty fun. Another thing I forgot to mention: uh, the opening credits. I'm like, wow, they used the fortune cookie menu for to make a Chinese food menu to make the opening <laughs> credits. <you know? laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, cool. What, what we're gonna do right now? We're gonna take a little short break. We'll come back and we'll wrap this puppy up. See you in a minute, folks. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror. And we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Hey, you guys! Alright, folks. We hope you enjoyed that. Hey, if you've seen this movie and you like it, then there's something wrong with you. But uh, if you do, you can still let us know. We'd be interested to kind of see other people's opinion because as far as movies that we've had on this show, I didn't think it was as terrible as a lot of them. But I guess because maybe I'm seeing it from a kid's perspective. I could see where I would really enjoy this as a young kid. So maybe that's where I'm giving it a little extra credit. But uh, if you think of it any differently, then let us know. Uh, It'd be interesting to hear for sure. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's definitely short bus material, uh, without a doubt. So, uh, But before we go, I want Derek to kind of just give us a rundown. Man, tell everybody where they can find you at and all your shows. 
I know, you know, Cinema Attack, I think, is great. I love it. Uh, but I know you got a lot of other ones that are tied into that and stuff. So just, uh, you got the floor, man. Let them have sure, it. Sure, sure. Of course, uh, my main show, the one that I created from the beginning, Cinema Attack, of course, with my two co-hosts, Matt and Debbie. Uh, you can find that on Horophilia. And also, it's Sister Show, which actually is in the... Well, I'll get into that in a minute about where to find these shows. But uh, the sister show that is Celluloid Dissections, which I do with uh, my co-host Carly, who's um, pretty much, she's a youngin one, uh, I'm getting her exposed to a lot more cinema than usually, so we just talk about one movie, and we just go through a little bit of rundown, kind of like this show, kind of, in that aspect, but the movies are kind of a little bit better, (laughs) you know, (laughs) in that sense, but, uh, you know, I have fun doing that, it's like a once a month gig. And then, of course, uh, I'd have another show, uh, No More Room in Hell, which I do with Mike Merriman and Mr. Venom, oh, yeah. which is kind of like my hor- mainly horror podcast where we do like horror genre cinema. And, uh, you know, that's usually a once a month. That's the good thing about doing, having multiple shows is they're always once a month. <laughs> and, of course, uh, they're here, which I do with Miss Lacey Lou of the Cut to the Chase podcast. Yep. Uh, been kind of a hiatus. Just problems like learn to schedule things that we all know that but uh, at, for right now those four shows you can find on horrorphilia.com if the listeners haven't known uh horrorphilia is actually shutting down at the end of february so i'll be moving the majority of the shows to other networks i actually have a spot open for cinema attack we will be moving that show in august i'll give a little bit more update on that once that comes public but uh, cool. that's about it. Plus, also on Legion Podcast, my kaiju-related show, which I do with Mr. Jerry Herring, Mr. Venom, and Don and Ellie, of course. Underwater yeah. kaiju from outer space, where we bring you those visions from Monsterland, guys. So check that out on Legion Podcast. And that's about it for that's me. That's a great show. I like. I love that show, too. And No, no More Room in Hell, I remember when that first was getting going, uh... uh I was asked to possibly, you know, be involved with that one, but we just couldn't get it worked out. So, a great bunch of guys, funny guys. I mean, so yeah, you you couldn't be in there with a crazier bunch, really. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, well, cool, man. You uh, like I said, folks, you can't go wrong. I mean, you've heard him on here. He, he knows his stuff. So make sure you check out all of his shows. And uh, like I said. Just uh, if you've got recommendations for us to cover on this show, we'll we'll definitely have Derek come back and and we'll get into Frozen Scream because we actually previewed that before and Lord and mercy, I don't even know where to start with that one. So, but uh, folks, take it easy, guys. You got anything else you want to say? No, man. I uh, I'm gonna go slay that 500 year old dragon. <laughs> All I gotta say is we dedicate the show to the memories of Robert Forster and Elizabeth Pena and. Just watch their better movies, guys. <laughs> Be careful out there chasing the dragon. Oh, that kind of means something else, doesn't it? <laughs> it Anyways, folks, <laughs> we will see you later. Adios. Peace.